Blog Talk Radio. All we say to America is be true to what you said on paper. If I lived in China or even Russia or any totalitarian country, maybe I could understand some of these illegal injunctions. Maybe I could understand the denial of certain basic First Amendment privileges because they haven't committed themselves to that over that. But somewhere I read of the freedom of assembly. Somewhere I read of the freedom of speech. Somewhere I read of the freedom of press. Somewhere I read that the greatness of America is the right to protest far right. And so just as I say we aren't going to let any dogs or water hoses turn us around, we aren't going to let any injunction turn us around. days ahead, but it really doesn't matter with me now, because I've been to the mountaintop, I don't mind, like anybody, I would like to live a long life, longevity has its place, but I'm not concerned about that now, I just want to do God's will. And he's allowed me to go up to the mountain. And I've looked over. And I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you. But I want you to know tonight that we as a people will get to the promised land. Ladies and gentlemen of America, this is AJC Radio, where we bring the message of justice all around the world. Tonight, coming to you live from Colorado Springs, Colorado, we expose what we call the FBI secrecy and corruption. How is it that in America, the FBI is appearing to be above the law? They target financial, they target religious institutions. And without calls, tonight we begin to roll back the curtain, if you will, on FBI corruption and the secrecy that is involved in that corruption. Folks, hang on. This is AJC Radio. We take off right now. And there you have it. I'm Lamont Banks along with Kendrick Barnes. Sampson Riddle, William Williams, Dennis Merritt, and Cliff Stewart, and the entire AJC radio team tonight as we begin to get into this discussion, uh, which is a needed one. 
why is it that the FBI, who is the largest law enforcement entity in the United States, has such power because of secrecy and cover-up tactics that the American people simply will not be aware of? Tonight we take a look back at the IRP-5 story where the FBI started its tactics But here in 2020, 2019 and 2020, we see the FBI again trying to manufacture, trying to go after a religious institution, that is the Colorado Springs Fellowship Church, who again, without cause, whose reputation is above reproach. We're going to deal with that issue tonight. And uh, I'll tell you what right now, William, this is something that definitely needs to be discussed because until somebody takes action against this institution... They will continue to feel like they are above the law. That's correct. To do what they do. Your thoughts? That, that's correct. I mean, they they have ruled they through intimidation. That's all that they've done, and they they run around lawless, unchecked, and we have as a society and as a country has allowed them to continue to do this, and they've been operating this way for decades. And so until we understand, number one, what our, what our rights are as, as, as citizens of this country and what this agency is responsible for and what they can and can't do and what they can and can't do concerning us, you know, that's the thing. We live in this darkness, and then when they show up, it's all about intimidation. It's all about setting a, the stage of fear to get what they want, and so they're corrupt. They, they, this is something we really have needed – we need to wake up to. Dennis, your thoughts? I agree. Uh, when you think about it, uh, because they have, there's no real oversight over the FBI, they're almost like a, a, a rogue police. And, and what's happened is they have so much power that they could use that power to manipulate people and then, of course, get them in a position where they could actually – uh, you know, get them in prison for long periods of time for crimes that were never committed or that they had they did not commit. But because of the power and because there is no police policing the so-called police, then we have these situations that has to stop. Well, the problem you have here, though, is that we, they talk about acts of intimidation. They talk about uh, uh, the fear tactics that are used by if, if you open your mouth and say to somebody, look, uh, the FBI is involved. Everybody wants to take flight and start running. Why? Why? Because the secrecy that's involved. We will talk tonight about the FBI going to uh, individuals' jobs, going to their bosses, trying to intimidate people. Because when it comes to your livelihood, people are going to be pretty much, you know what? I have to take care of my family. I have to pay my bills. What do you want me to do, FBI? That's wrong. What gives the FBI the right to go to your employer and say, did you know that so-and-so is going on with your what? That's against the law. On every possible way, it is an issue that, again, these are acts and fear taxes. And what happens, the FBI primarily preys upon the fears and the ignorance of most people that simply do not know their rights. We're going to talk about that tonight. What are your rights as a United States citizen? You don't have to speak to the FBI, period. That's true. Yeah, you don't have to do it, but people are not aware. We're going to be uncovering that tonight as we get into this conversation, folks. When, and the, the second part of this is the secrecy. All the secrecy. We don't, don't say anything. We can't say anything to anybody. Why not? 
Why not? You have something that clad tight. Why can't anybody talk about it? It's not going to work here. We're going to deal with all of these issues tonight, folks. And I'll tell you what. Uh, and I, I, I'm sorry, Samson, I didn't get your thoughts on this. When we're talking about this FBI thing, this is, this is all over the United States. And the FBI is supposed to be the institution of law and the enforcement of law. Of law. It's not done because corruption reigns within the department. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I was actually just reading an article earlier this week about how in the 110 years that this you know, bureau has been around, right now in the last probably decade, they have the worst reputation they've had in our society than they've ever had. I mean, we've seen corruption. We've seen people that get, you know, railroaded and, you know, uh, personal information gathered, illegal surveillance, warrantless arrests, and everything else like that. I mean, it's all, it's all wound up in this organization, and people are, I mean, every news channel you see out there these days has something new bad to say about the Bureau. I mean, it goes all the way up from the White House and all their representatives slamming the, the Bureau all the way down to, you know, them collaborating with local law enforcement to, you know, hustle people or, again, just sweep a, a crime that they commit under the rug while people's lives are just being shattered left and right. And it's, it's a travesty. Well, and we're going to talk about that in appearance of an FBI agent in, a, in an existing case with the IRP5 case. William, we'll share your story there where you were given a, a – was it a subpoena to serve? Yes. And we're going to get into that. An FBI agent represented, correct, William? Yes, Interfered correct. and said, you will not serve my fellow FBI agent. Is that correct? That's correct. Now, I can promise you, if that's me trying to interfere with a ongoing uh, legality or court case, and I stop and interfere, I am cuffed up, put on the ground, and maybe eight warning shots in my back. That's how that kind of works. That's not going to work here. Again, we'll deal with all of these issues, folks. And, again, this is part one of many shows to come. So stay tuned to this, bro- this broadcast as we will continue for the next several weeks exposing the FBI, that what they're doing. We're going to get into a current situation. Cliff, you and I, we're going to get involved with that. Uh, some things that have happened recently, we plan, on, we plan on pulling the cover off of that as well. Folks, hang in there. This, this aims to be a good show, definitely informative. Feel free to dial into the show at 646-200-0628. That's 646-200-0628. This is AJC Radio. We'll be right back. For a kid whose mom or dad is in prison, life is tough. Now, add a wrongful conviction to that. Life just got a little bit tougher. Trying to explain to friends why mom or dad is not at the school play or at the ball game is something that no kid should ever be faced with. Especially if mom or dad is innocent. Ladies and gentlemen, get involved today to stop the epidemic of wrongful convictions. By remembering a just cause with a monthly, annual, or one-time donation, you can help in the fight against wrongful convictions. Call or just calls today. 1-855-529-4252. We seek justice for the children. As they go to bed at night and mom's not there, 
dad's not in the other room to make him feel safe. Not because dad or mom did anything wrong, because justice could not be found. Join us for the children, for they truly are our future. The United States of America incarcerates more people than any other country in the world. In fact, the U.S. hosts more prison inmates than all other developed nations combined. As of 2010, the world population was over 6.8 billion people, with an estimated 9.8 million in jail. This figure, compiled by the International Center for Prison Studies, refers both to individuals held in jail awaiting trials and inmates serving time after sentencing. So there are 9.8 million human beings on planet Earth living inside of cages that we know of. In 2010, the U.S. was home to about 309 million people, 4.5% of the world's total population, but housed 23% of the world's prisoners. So take a moment to think about what this means. It means we imprison more people than enormous autocratic countries like China. We imprison more people than Russia. Compared to the size of our population, our rate of imprisonment dwarfs our closest allies, like the United Kingdom, France, and Canada. As of 2010, there were over 1.6 million post-trial inmates serving sentences in America's state and federal facilities. This number does not include those being detained pre-trial or those on probation. The most unique feature of incarceration in America is the large and active role of our federal government. In most countries, crime is reacted to at the local or regional level, whereas the American government finances and legislates a significant portion of law enforcement at the national level. State governments still do their fair share of incarceration, though. California and Texas incarcerate more than other states with over 171,000 inmates each. Florida is a close third with over 103,000 prisoners. But no single state locks up more people than the federal government with over 208,000 inmates. Perhaps the nickname Land of the Free, Home of the Brave, should be updated. Though I suppose you need to be brave to endure the highest likelihood of incarceration the world has ever known. Prisons are not what we think about when we think of America, and they shouldn't have to be. A free nation shouldn't imprison so many people, and a fiscally responsible nation can't afford to. With close to $40 billion a year in state correctional spending, the financial costs are obvious and staggering alone. But the human costs are often underappreciated. 1.6 million fathers and mothers, brothers and sisters, sons and daughters of American families are incarcerated. It's time for people to realize that the criminal justice system in America is desperately in need of reform. History is important because it shows where you're coming from and where you're going. Type 2 diabetes is something that runs in my family, which means I'm at risk. In fact, one in three American adults are at risk for developing type 2 diabetes. And knowing this, if I do nothing, that family history becomes my family's future. And my family is too important to me for that. Take the risk factor assessment today at AskScreenNo.com.
Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to AJC Radio tonight as we are uh, definitely uh, in conversation, if you will, with some major issues. Uh, and what our job is as advocates is to really expose the issues of corruption. Uh, tonight we deal with the FBI, one of the well, as we know, one of the most well-respected, uh, at least in perception they try to put, uh, put forth this perception, that they are the law enforcement of the land that they are the ones of high integrity. They're the ones that do everything right by the book because they are the FBI, Federal Bureau of Investigation. Well, tonight we are here to tell you that is the biggest joke uh, in the law enforcement world as we know it. Uh, We have been talking tonight as we have kind of prefaced this show to address the FBI secrecy and why are the things within the FBI as secret as they are other than What's coming to light now is to cover their breaking of the law. So when I tell you, Dennis, if we're in a situation or I come to you and say, hey, man, just kind of keep this hush hush. You know, just keep this here. Why? If everything's above board, why? And what the, the favorite thing they like to use is, oh, we, we don't want to uh, uh, be a conflict or interfere with an ongoing investigation. We don't want to compromise the investigation. It has nothing to do with it. If you're the most powerful entity in law enforcement, how are you going to compromise an investigation if the contacts and the things that you do are legitimate? Uh, Cliff, uh, I'd like you to go in, if you wouldn't mind, uh, to go in talking about the latest incident. And we're going, to, we're going to build a picture here, folks. The FBI has come after Colorado Springs Fellowship Church. Uh, they hide behind different shadows and say, well, this is what we're doing. But in reality, that they're, they're actually doing the undercover things that are illegal. Illegal. And we ran into a situation where uh, the FBI, along with other entities, went in and, and really pulled private bank records of the church, of its pastor. Let me, here's the kicker. There was no warrant. There was no subpoena. There was no court order to go into the, into the bank accounts of members, go to their jobs to bring acts of intimidation against them because they were not getting the story they wanted to get. That is corruption. That is an abuse of power. And Cliff, go ahead if you will. I want to go into the situation with Damien and what the FBI's latest actions have been here of late. Yeah, and Lamont, when you you know, just to preface um and to kind of extend on what you were uh just talking about, you, you look at how when the FBI went into these the bank accounts of uh Colorado Springs Fellowship Church, the pastor of the church, several parishioners, uh you're talking about parishioners that um and this was all under the guise of, Oh, we gotta find out um, you know, what's going on with the IRP uh solutions case. And so they use that as a guise to go into all these different accounts of all these different people. Now they're saying that, oh, this is this is a uh, you know a case about wire fraud and mail fraud, which that didn't happen either. But then you go to Lawana Clark's case and the things they did there, how they uh, how they you know basically lied about her purging herself. Judge Arguello didn't allow the evidence to be shown that uh, proved her innocence. But the the thing about that trial and how it all comes together is that when the uh, when the prosecutor, uh, Assistant U.S. Attorney Matthew Kirsch, asked the grand jury foreman, "What is 
what is the target of this investigation of this case that we're dealing with that's supposed to be IRP solutions and all these things that happened? The grand jury foreman on the stand said the target of this investigation is the pastor of Colorado Springs Fellowship, Rose Banks. Now, when you look at that and you bring it all together, now, yeah, if you're thinking, well, hey, at that point, the judge should have said, what is going on here? This is not a case about, uh, about uh, you know, wire fraud and mail fraud. This is a case where you're trying to go after the pastor of this church. What's going on here? I'm putting a stop to it. Of course, we're talking about Judge Christine Arguello, so obviously that did not happen. But when you look at putting it all together, now this was 15, uh, started 15 years ago. And that, that trial happened in 2009, 2010, some. Yeah. So you're talking 10 years ago. So we find out earlier this week that a, uh, you know, former associate um, of ours got in, got in trouble, uh, was, was talked to by the FBI, arrested on one of the Caribbean islands, and uh, being brought up on charges. And, and from what we're being told... The FBI sits him down and basically says, we can make this all go away if we can get you to place a bug into none other than Pastor Rose Banks' house. Now, how long do you keep carrying a dead ball? How many times do you look and search? You, uh, Like you mentioned earlier, Lamont, they went into the, uh, the church banking records, into the pastor's banking records, no subpoenas, no nothing, found nothing. And yet they're still, to this day, coming back and saying, we want to put a bug in the pastor's house. Why? What are you looking for? There is nothing to find. Well, and here's the thing. Let's be clear. This is an invasion of a church parsonage. A church parsonage, and it, this is illegal. You don't take a normal citizen off the street and say, we want you to do some covert FBI activity. That is not what you do, we'll, we'll, we'll drop this case if you basically do our dirty work so we can get you to break the law so it's not said that we as the FBI break well, the law. Well, let's be clear. This is an attack on a Christian institution. This is a church. You're invading a property of the church. This is what you're doing. So you're telling this guy, go plant a bug in this church parsonage. Let's be clear. All this falls under the church. So if the FBI can basically do what they want to do and attack one of the most sacred institutions that is supposed to be in this country, a church, its parsonage, its pastor of 38 years now in this community, who says they're not going to go in, in, in grandma's church next week and attack that institution? That's why it has to be stopped. And you went and actually went to a guy with no training and said, we want to put you in a situation where you're going to plant something for the FBI. You know why you have to go outside the the realm of doing it the right way? Number one, you have nothing. You're not going to get a court order. So let's just get this guy and say, look, do us a favor. We'll blackmail you and say, look, you either do it or you're going to jail. Help us out here. And you, as the FBI, can call that above board. It's not above board. It is a complete catastrophe. 
And we have it, whereas uh, Cliff will tell you, we went to Washington, D.C., talked at that point to the offices of Orrin Hatch, Senator Hatch, who is now retired, and said there is something wrong here. A religious institution has been attacked, has been a target, all under the guise of the RP solution situation. Again, they had no case there. They have no case here. And, you know, uh, speaking of that situation, we went to uh, Senator Hatch's office once. I mean, you, when his legal counsel looked at the court record, this isn't this, you're not talking about our opinion, something we said, somebody told us. You're talking about the court record when the judge uh, was talking to uh, Matthew Kirsch, the assistant mm-hmm. U.S. attorney, prosecutor in the case, and, you know, asking where how did you get these court records? Do you have a subpoena? The defendants have a right to know if you had a subpoena. And his response in open court, on the record, what difference does it make if I did get them illegally? That has nothing to do with this case. How do you make that statement and the Whoa. judge does not say, you know what, you need to be brought up on charges? All Judge Arguello said, well, I'll I'll take it into I'll I'll take it up on advisement. Mm-hmm. Came back. Shut that part down. Never answer the question on where did you get these records? How did you get these records without a court subpoena? There was no grand jury subpoena. There was no subpoena from the uh, from from the from the judge saying go get them. Nothing. He just has them. And the counsel from uh, Orrin Hatch's office, like, is this is yep. this the actual transcript that he says this, that what difference does it make? And that opened up the investigation. But you look at these things and say, now, if we were to say, well, we went, you you basically went and stole somebody's property and then bring that to court and say, I want to use this. I want to use this against my neighbor to say my neighbor did something. Well, where'd you get this evidence? Well, so, so if you went and got it and there is no record of how you got it, that means you could have made up the evidence. And the prosecutor gets away with that. If you or me did it, we'd be in federal prison. Period. I mean, that's just what we're talking about, folks. If I can't get away with it as a United States citizen, you, do you think no one is going to call out the FBI? We will call out the FBI. And the minute you become uh, conditioned to be afraid of their tactics, then you cease to be a voice against this type of behavior. And this is why these institutions are uh, as solid in the system and really feel like they are above the law because no one wants to speak out. Someone tell me from the FBI in Washington, in Denver, or any location you're at tonight, if you're listening to this show, where you have the grounds under the law to do what you're doing. And how you got a guy in the islands threatened and told he better do this, we'll make this all go away. Acts of intimidation. It, 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 it should, not, should, not, uh, should not be happening. Again, uh, these are things that are habitually happening. Now we're right back here again, as Cliff alluded to, to another person, the same entity that started the corruption from the beginning. We're back because there, we have to find something. You will not. See, Lamont, this is a clear case of just harassment. Yeah. And, and the problem is there is such a gray area with the FBI. They do not need any probable cause to investigate anyone. 
They but, don't. So they can just choose. So you don't know if someone has a personal just don't like you in the FBI. You don't know what reason they have, but they have they've been given this broad power to investigate, but they can investigate what they want. So and if they harass a person, when does it stop? What what is your goal? When do you report to the people or someone and say, hey, you know what, this is why and when we're investigating, but you're doing this and you're ruining lives well, with that word. Well, and, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, uh, I don't know, Kendrick, if you remember, but uh, or if you went to the FBI's counsel, office, but they told us when we said, hey, the FBI is harassing people for no – well, uh, is it legal harassment? What is legal harassment? It doesn't exist. There is no – harassment is a crime. What is legal – well, uh, it, it, legal harassment? Now, if you and I harass somebody – we're being brought up on charges. The FBI, then they get, like you said, into the gray area of, well, is it legal harassment or is this illegal harassment? How am I, as a normal citizen, supposed to know what in the world are you talking about? You're not. That's the key. You're not supposed to know. You're not supposed to be able to decipher of what's illegal, what's legal, what is acceptable, what's not. The bottom line here, and please be very clear, ladies and gentlemen of America. The FBI shows up at your door. You ha- you do not have to talk to them. You don't. That's right. That is why you, you listen to the simplicity of the Miranda Act. You have the right to remain silent. And not only that, but the next part is what is critical to your freedom. Anything that you say can and will be held against you so why would anybody in their right mind if you say whatever i say will be held against me no matter what in a court of law why would i hold a conversation with you now you have the right to be quiet but if you say something i guarantee you we are going to use that against you in a court of law that is why your best bet Get your attorney if the fbi comes and if you remember cliff even the count the fbi counsel told us when we went up to the meeting he said, if the FBI closed the door, tell them to go away. Tell them go he away. He said, shut the door in the face. Now, this is the FBI. This is the General lead Captain. FBI counsel, Bob Goff. I mean, all the all the attorneys at, at the FBI, he is the one who uh, basically has jurisdiction over them. He told us, if they come to your door, tell them go away and shut your door for the very reason that what you say to a law enforcement officer can and absolutely will be used against you. Well, the bottom line is, is that if the FBI feels like that the average American citizen is going to be scared to death, you got nothing to be scared of at all. I'm not talking to you. But you want to hijack a situation and say, well, we just need you to plant this bug in the Colorado Springs Fellowship Parsons. I want to see the court order on that. Oh, Yeah, where's your authority yeah. where's to the, even give me the authority the, uh, to do that? Exactly. Where is it, Mr. FBI? Where, where's this lo- at, located at? Where did this happen at, Cliff? In uh, St. Thomas Island. St. Thomas. FBI in St. Thomas. You got a, you got a subpoena or a court order? from a judge to take a civilian off the street and ask him to plant a device in a church parsonage. Curious about that one. Curious about that one. I guarantee we won't hear nothing back. But tonight and next week and next week and next week and next week, we will pull the cover and the mask 
off of this high-level corruption scheme by who we call the law enforcement example of the country, the FBI, Federal Bureau of Investigations. Biggest joke latest on late-night comedy. This is AJC Radio. We'll be right back. Do you know anyone who's been sent to prison who's innocent? The United States is experiencing record numbers of exonerations in cases where people were wrongfully convicted of crimes they did not commit. If you believe that no one should be sent to prison for crimes they didn't commit, there is something that you can do today. By remembering a just cause with a monthly, annual, or one-time donation, you can help in the fight against wrongful convictions. Call a just cause at 855-529-4252 or visit a-justcause.com and click the donate button. A just cause is a 501c3. Wrongful convictions are wrong. Let's be the voice of those who can't speak from behind the wall. Let me tell you who to blame. Blame the boy lying at your feet, his body oozing life through the hole in his stomach where the bullet tore him apart. Blame him for challenging you for not looking away and for not backing down when you pulled out the gun. Blame your mother for bringing you into this world when she was but a kid herself and for dragging you up, not bringing you up. Blame society for not giving you hope. Blame your father for not being there, the man who looked after himself instead of looking after you. Blame the gun in your hand for making you a target, for making you more likely to be picked on. Blame the dead boy, blame your mother, blame society, blame your father, blame the gun, blame anyone but yourself for not being strong enough to put down the gun, to break the cycle. Let's just be honest. When we look across the street to the Supreme Court and we see equal justice under law, um, when you have drug laws so severely, disparately enforced, against some groups. Let's let's take African-Americans, for example. There's no difference between black and white marijuana usage or marijuana sales, in fact. But blacks are about 3.7 times more likely to be arrested for it. Um, African-Americans are more likely to get uh, mandatory minimums, are more likely about 13 to get 13% longer sentences. And it's created these jagged disparities in incarceration. In my state, blacks are about 13, 14% of the population. They make up over 60% of the prison population. And remember, the overall majority of people we arrest in America are nonviolent offenders. Now you've got this, this disparity in the arrest, but that creates disparities that painfully fall all along the system. When you get arrested uh, for possession with intent to sell, do it in inner city, now you're within a school zone. So now you have facing even higher mandatory minimum. Now you're 19 years old, with a felony conviction, possession, intent to sell in a school zone. Forget even all that. If you just have a felony conviction for a possession, what do you face now? Thousands of collateral consequences that will dog you for the rest of your life. You can't get a Pell Grant. You can't get business licenses. You can't get a job. You're hungry, can't get food stamps. Uh, you need some place to live, you can't even get public housing. And what that does is created within our country concentrated areas where you have massive levels of men being incarcerated. 
You create a caste system in which people feel like they, there's no way out. And we're not doing anything as a society like we know we could do because there's tons of pilot programs that show if you help people when they are coming back from a nonviolent offense, that their recidivism rates go dramatically down. If you don't help them, what happens is left with limited options. Many people make a decision to go back into that world of, of narcotics sales. Uh, uh, what's more dangerous to society? Someone smoking marijuana in the privacy of their own home or somebody going 30 miles over the speed limit, racing down a road in, in a community? What is more dangerous to society? But yet that teenager who makes a mistake for doing things the last three presidents admitted to doing, now they have a felony conviction because it's more likely they're going to get caught. And for the rest of their life, they're 29, 39, 49, 59, they're still paying for a mistake they made as a teenager. Now, that's not the kind of society uh, that I believe in, nor is it fiscally responsible. Nor It's undermining their productivity, undermining their ability to take care of their family. This is so wrong that those conversations that I'm having with conservatives as well as uh, Democrats uh, are resonating. And so when you have people like Rand Paul standing up and talking about racial disparities in incarceration, this convergence and understanding uh, of fiscal conservatives, of Christian conservatives, of libertarians, shows me that this is a time of great hope for our country. And so I'm not going to question people's motives. This is one of those issues like the civil rights movement in the 1960s, where it should pull all Americans together to say enough is enough. We have a big problem, and we need your help. It's happening on college campuses, at bars, at parties, even in high schools. It's happening to our sisters and our daughters. Our wives and our friends. It's called sexual assault, and it has to stop. We have to stop it. So listen up. If she doesn't consent, or if she can't consent, it's rape, it's assault. It's a crime. It's wrong. If I saw it happening, I was taught you have to do something about it. If I saw it happening, I'd speak up. If I saw it happening, I'd never blame her. I'd help her. Because I don't want to be a part of the problem. I want to be a part of the solution. We need all of you to be part of the solution. This is about respect. It's about responsibility. It's up to all of us to put an end to sexual assault. And that starts with you. Because one is too many. I wanted to be in the military since I, was, since I was a kid. I served in the United States Air Force. I served a total of 16 years. I was deployed uh, 13 times. On my second deployment, four bombs I hit my vehicle. And at 19 years old, that's the first time I ever saw somebody die. Coming back, I was raging. I started having pretty horrible nightmares. I would wake up in the middle of the night, sweats. I started drinking a lot. I felt worthless. I guess I never recognized it in myself. Eventually, one day, I just walked into the VA hospital and said I'd like to see somebody. Don't suffer alone. You got to find that link with somebody that'll make you let it go. It all starts with going to the VA. There's a whole community of veterans that just want to help you out. It's for the guys who couldn't come back, so you owe it to them to live well, because they're not here with their families. Picture this, 
a 75-year-old man convicted of murder waiting for his trial to finally go through. He's been on death row for 25 years now and finds out he's been wrongfully convicted and is completely innocent. Not only does this mean that 25 years of his life have been spent in jail for no reason, but that the actual murderer could still be out there right now. The bad thing is that this exact thing happens more often than you think, but you can help stop it by supporting our campaign to abolish the death penalty. Hey guys, I'm Jordan Sparks. I'm Chase Crawford. Hey, what's up? It's Usher. Hi, I'm Rachel Dawson. I'm Hayden Christensen. I'm Peyton Manning. Hey, we're Fall Out Boy. I'm Dan Archuleta. I'm Corbin Blue. I'm Kristen Bell. And we're the Jonas Brothers. Do something good for your community. Reuse bags and bottles and always recycle. Help us collect a million pounds of food. Help people prepare for natural disasters. Do something about homelessness. Anyone could be a rock star in their community. So then do something. Do something. Do something. Do something. Visit dosomething.org to find out how. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to AJC Radio tonight as we continue this discussion uh, regarding FBI corruption, FBI abuse of power, FBI uh, really accountability for different things and investigations that have gone on in this country. But namely tonight, uh, mentioning uh, the untiring effort to mess with a reputation of a church. Colorado Springs Fellowship Church, where in 38 years, there is not one piece of evidence. Think of of what I just said. In 38 years, if corruption was prevalent, it would take 38 years to find it. If it was was what they make it out to be. This is twice they have tried to say and damage the reputation of Colorado Springs Fellowship Church and Pastor Rosebank. I'm going to tell you right now, and you can take it to the bank. There is no such corruption in 38 years with Pastor Rosebanks and Colorado Springs Fellowship Church. We have said before on this program, if people choose to leave a church, it's their right to leave or to stay. But to take a action to give the indication of the perception that there is some type of breaking of the law is ludicrous. It is outrageous. And in 38 years and to this day, to this moment, you're going on a fishing expedition where the lake is empty. Lake's empty. There's nothing here. They say in politics, there's no there, there. There's nothing here. Pastor Rosebanks, in less than a month, will be 75 years of age and above reproach in this community. This is why the outrage must be what it is. It doesn't matter whether it was Colorado Springs Fellowship Church, whether it was First Lutheran, First Presbyterian. You don't have the right to make up your rules as you go to attack an institution. You've already violated the rights of 
the American citizen. You have violated the rights of a religious institution. When you step into a bank, and Cliff, I believe it was for five years, Yep. and found nothing, nothing. In your five-year investigation, you found nothing. Why are you back here? Something should be done about that. Something should be done about that. You don't have the right to harass anyone. And you harass a church who is leading the way in its community in outreach in every possible fashion, helping veterans, seniors, teachers, students. And you want to just come up and say, well, let's just see what we can make up as we go. It is a disgrace. And my question is, could this be the reason that President Trump made it clear of the ongoings of the FBI over the years? It, it raises the question. If they'll do it to the average citizen, if they have no boundaries even to attack a church and a senior pastor of 38 years in this community, why don't somebody tell me who's above the who, who's not a possible target of the FBI? Why don't somebody share that with me? This is a disgrace in this country, and we've been saying for years they're going to they're going to eventually attack people in their most vulnerable areas. That's religion. Let's go there. And I can tell you now, in 38 years in this community with Pastor Banks, and before that in Bamberg, Germany. Above reproach. Above reproach. We're not going to sit back and say nothing to that Federal Bureau of Investigations. That's the offices in Denver. Continue this garbage. And it trickles down all the way from Washington, D.C. It is what it is. Your thoughts, Samson? Yeah, as I was just in here listening to you, it's like, the the fact of the matter is is that the FBI, like you said, they're used to using their intimidation tactics. They're used to trying to to skirt the laws like the Patriot Act or you know the the FISA Section 702 you know amendment on that, where you know it gives them certain authorities. But people don't read into it. They don't educate themselves. And when they run into people like some of us, you know, that are on the show or some of the um, the people that attend Colorado Springs Fellowship Church, where we know our rights. We know what we can do. Well, that's why there's such a backlash against that, against men like the IRP-5, where you have educated citizens. They're like, no, we don't have to do this. No, you don't have the right to go and you know, monitor me you know, without a warrant. You don't have the right to go, and you know, that's why there's such a backlash. That's why there's such a pushback. That's why there's all these judges are in on it and everything else like that, because the fact of the matter is, is the FBI wants to use their Gestapo ca- tactics. They well, want Go ahead. go ahead. No, go ahead, Samson. I mean, they, they just want to use fear and intimidation, and they want to try and bully their way you know, through people's lives to keep control and keep doing whatever they want to do, again, through just sheer force of will and, and fear. Let, let, let me break this down for our listeners that may not know it. Pastor Banks has been in Colorado Springs since 1981. You know what Pastor Banks does? Goes home. Goes to church. Have to occasionally go out, get go to regular routine dental appointments, things like that. She goes home and goes to church. 
We got plenty of criminals in this country. Why are you targeting a 75-to-be-year-old pastor? And here's the ironic part. Her message that she delivers is to obey the laws of the land. It's true. Do it the right way. Don't break the law. We have been educated in the IRP5 case that that's not enough. You don't have to break the law to be harassed by the FBI. You don't have to break the law to go to prison. You don't have to break the law for an FBI agent to interfere with a serving of a subpoena and threaten, basically, you're not delivering a subpoena given by the court to anyone. Who gives you the authority? FBI doesn't have the authority to do that. They did it to William. Stop them in the middle of delivering a subpoena from the court. The fact that that person, that agent of the FBI, the fact that they even thought it good enough, you had to have no respect for the court, but you had to know what kind of judge you were dealing with. They don't do that to any judge. That's right. That's true. You had to know this judge will not do anything. They were proven to be right. So before you challenge, I promise you, you challenge the order of a judge who's given a subpoena in most cases, that's a problem. Had it been me stopping someone from serving someone, I would have been on my stomach, handcuffed behind my back, and told I was obstructing justice automatically. But an FBI agent can say, you're not serving my fellow colleague. And what gives you the authority, sir? To interfere with a court order This is the culture of a nation This is a culture of an institution That believes themselves to be above the law You are not And it is a high time that citizens look them in the eyeball I'm not worried about your little sunglasses Your little blazer jacket you're wearing You're not getting ready to intimidate me By whatever you're bringing my way I have rights Every. Every obstacle in this country, when it came to securing the rights of citizens, somebody had to stand up and say, you're not doing it to me. And how you can even sleep at night, Mr. FBI, attacking a senior citizen who goes home and goes to church. She's not bothering nobody. She's living her life like she has every right to live. But you don't have nothing on your docket. Other than attacking senior citizens and, and religious institutions. That's a disgrace. William, tell them the story, if you will, about what happened with that situation with the FBI uh, interfering with that, that process. Well, it, what happened was um, I, had the, I had received the court papers and I was going to serve um, the FBI agent at his home. It was a Sunday. Um, I was in suit and tie, dressed nice, didn't look, you know. Shady or anything like that It was middle of the day Knocked on the door There was no answer And so I just got in my truck Went up the street a little bit And I said, you know, I'll give myself some time It was middle of the day I figured they'd stepped out Come back later So maybe five or ten minutes later All of a sudden here comes a burgundy uh, Buick LeSabre I'll never forget it Comes and pulls at he, he hit the corner real quick 
he didn't even stop at the stop sign because I was up the street. There was this intersection right between myself and the house I could see. He pulls up, doesn't even stop at the stop sign, makes a left, heads right towards me, pulls over on the opposite side of the street to me, his car facing the opposite way. He hops out, grabs his, uh, his badge, pulls it out, and it's on his lanyard, you know, basically drops it on his chest, got his gun bag or belt on. He steps out and um, he said, are you here to uh, serve? I'm sorry. Go ahead. How does he know that? It, it totally shocked me. It told, it, yeah, it totally shocked me because I'm sitting there. There's nobody around me. I'm not even in front of a house or anything. I'm just I'm just sitting there, you know, side of the sidewalk. In front of a vacant lot. And did he make it clear to make sure you saw his gun? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. That was the first thing right. he saw. He he put the, he put the whole belt system on so I could see everything. And now, this is my question. How, how does he know you that a service of peace? See, and he he did. Well, he knew, and they told him. They told him. And so he, he came up in that wooden – and he came up to my window and was asking me. He said, are you here to serve a subpoena? And I looked at him real strange. I said, yes, I am. He said, well, you're not, you're not supposed to serve this agent. I said, well, why not? Why am I not supposed to serve him? And it was Agent Moen. Mm-hmm. I said, why, why am I not supposed to serve him? I said, I, here I am. I've got the documents from the court. His name's it's, on it. His name's on it. It's an official document. Why am I not supposed to serve him? And so he said, well, you should be receiving, you should be receiving notification. If you have a smartphone, you should be receiving notification here shortly that you shouldn't serve him. I said, well, why is that? I said, and I'm sitting here looking at him, and he's got his hands on his waist next to his, basically next to his belt. So he's trying to force this intimidation on me. So I'm sitting here saying, okay, why am I not supposed to serve him? Well, you know, the agent, he's not there, and um, um, his family has been saying that people have been um, attempting to, you know, knocking on the door late at night and stuff like that. I said, well, as you can see, it's middle of day Sunday. I'm, I, you know, I don't know who that is, but I just went up to the door, rang the doorbell, and and nobody answered. Got in my car, went up the street, and so he's sitting here trying to trying to you know force his point on me, and so at that point he said, "Well, you shouldn't re- you shouldn't be serving him, and you will be see- receiving notification here shortly." He went over and to notification from who on a smartphone on a smartphone on a smartphone, on a smartphone from, you. from the court supposedly. Coming from the court? No, it's not coming from the court. So, so what he did then, uh, he said, "Well, sir, you need to go ahead and move." I said, "All right," and I just sat there in my car for a little bit, or my truck for a little bit. He went over to his car, he pulled in around behind me, so he wasn't going to let me leave. He was not going to leave without me leaving. Bottom line, so he pulled in right behind me. So I sat there for a little bit. I wanted to see what he was going to do. So then I said, "Okay," I got in. I called the police. And I said, okay, is there a reason why I can't serve somebody? You know, I was just asking because I thought, well, maybe I might need to get an escort over here. Right. So at that point, I went ahead. They said, well, sir, you just come on to the station. and We can we can go and serve them if we need to. So because I figured at that point, I need to have somebody from law enforcement because I don't want this guy to come turn around and say that I did something illegal or I was trespassing or something along those lines. I said, I'm just simply trying to serve this document, period. And so that was, you know, that was the whole thing about it. I was like, I was like, who told you? Why? How did you know this? Now, the the this is the sickening part 
of the FBI and their intimidation tactics. First off, you have no jurisdiction of law enforcement on a city street. No. If you see an accident, if you see somebody get shot, as an FBI agent, you uh, defuse the situation and call the local police. It is not your jurisdiction because somebody is sitting on the street. You need to go ahead and pull off. Actually, who gives actually, actually, you the authority to tell me to pull? And who you you don't serve this agent since when he's a citizen? He's not acting in a, his official capacity as an FBI agent. I'm at his home that uh, that is public record that I am serving him a court oh, order sure. to show your butt up at the courthouse. And another agent comes. Uh, you're going to have to leave. Yeah. Now, if you would have. Saw him get out of his car. He's approaching you, badge or not, and you get out and pull out your pistol. And say, man, I don't know who you are, where you coming from, but why are you stepping to me with a gun on your side? Then, as your right as a citizen, then what would he have done? Then he's there with a citizen. You you both in there, so it's, it's a shootout at the OK Corral. And why? Because the FBI agent don't want to be served at his house. Yep. Look. It is clear. This is this shows you how deep the corruption goes. How do you know, number one, that I'm here to serve a subpoena? Yeah, that's, that's right. The piece. That's how right. do you know that? That's right. That's you just right. ask, hey, is there something going on? No, you, no, I'm just I'm waiting. I'm trying to talk to whatever. Yeah. I promise you, had you made an attempt to crack your door. Six warning shots to the neck. No. I promise you, you would be the talk. Guy goes down by the gun. FBI shoots in defense and fear of his life. Yep. That's what it is. And all you got to do is to serve a subpoena. But somebody needs to ask this question. How did you know? Yep. How, it came from one court. Yep. How do you know? And see, the thing about it was, I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, okay, I need to serve this man. I need to serve this man. I need to get, I need to handle this. So what do what can I do? So I actually at, at that point I called the U.S. Marshal. I said, "Excuse me, sir." And I, I asked. I, I gave him the situation. He said, "You have every right to serve him." He said, "If you if you need us as marshals to escort you to serve him, so we'll do that." So you're telling me the U.S. Marshals, part of the federal government, yes, said you can serve him in spite of what's coming out the side of the neck. Of this, of this FBI agent, yeah, absolutely. They're simply saying you got every right. And he and he was concerned. He's sitting here saying he said, and I because I because I got the card of the agent. I said, yeah, let me see your card. So I got his information and I reported it to the marshal. The marshal was concerned. He said, wait a minute, hold on. This agent, I gave, I told him exactly what happened. He said, no. He said, you have a court document. Exactly what we're saying right here. You have an official court document. Anybody can be served. There's nobody that can't be served. And why he was interfering with this, he didn't know. He said, but if you have any problems, and he said, you can call us. We will come and escort you. If the local police department does not want to be an escort for you, so we, could, we will do that for you. The and federal U.S. Marshals yes, told you that. Yes, the U.S. Marshal Office in Denver. Actually, I had submitted an affidavit of this whole account to him with along with – And he was troubled with it. Yes. Unbelievable. He actually requested the affidavit. Any follow up with this marshal? I did not follow. I, I had uh, several follow ups with him, 
but nothing else. Some look is something worth looking into today. I say, look, what's going on here? Yes. The pattern of abuse. The pattern of the behavior and the abuse. This is a pattern of behavior from day one of this case. And it's the cover-up. It's the the constant cover-up to prevent the truth from being out there. And it's the constant – I mean, we we saw it, and, you know, if if that had not happened to me, I'd been like – you know, I may have been, you know, suspect of it. But because it happened to me, and I'm sitting here watching this behavior, watching this 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 intimid, you know this act of intimidation, and say I can't do this, I can't do that, you can't do that. This person is, you know, this person is above, literally above the court. The he, this person, this officer, this special agent, quote unquote, is above the court. He doesn't have to answer to the court. This is an official court document. Well, he has answered to the court. Yes, he does. But that's answering to the court of a judge with integrity. That is true. Absolutely. Let true. me tell you something. Uh, I didn't mean to cut you off, uh, Umont, but now, William, when you tried to serve and they they told you, you know, if you had any questions about it, who who were they telling you that you needed to contact? You know, you'll be getting – Notified, but who who are you supposed to contact? He was he 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 said the court would contact me. That this this officer should so, not be because I I know if I recall right when that whole situation come came up that they were saying for you to contact the uh, the prosecutor Matthew Kirsch if you had questions about uh, about why this this uh, this this person because that was Moen right. Yeah, that was yeah, Agent Moen. Because I remember Moen. the next day during the court case that Kirsch knew about the whole situation right. and came up with a lie right. saying, oh, no, uh, the reason he couldn't serve him because he was out on a hunting trip. Right. He was out right. of town. It was Kirsch. It was it was Kirsch. The so government. Kirsch, Kirsch, yes. The, they the were, government prosecutor knows the witness you are trying to subpoena for – the defense and makes an excuse as to why this man you're not out in the middle of the woods on a hunting trip and see to your point cliff when court resumed on monday because this happened on sunday when court resumed on monday he was aware of the situation so you're telling let me make sure i'm hearing this right it's a weekend yes this was a sunday people are off work government is definitely off work right matthew kirsch the assistant u.s attorney Prosecuting the case, correct? That's correct. Has full knowledge of the interaction with a federal agent stopping the serving of a subpoena to another federal agent. By Monday morning, when court convenes, I am aware of everything that just happened 12 hours ago. That's exactly right. And has has uh, uh, the sickest reason. First off, you shouldn't be involved in with the defense, in the, witness. With the defense witness. If that was you or me, witness tampering, obstruction of justice, that's, that's all right. kind of charges you would have been brought up on. But how does the prosecutor know? And then how does the prosecutor, if he's out of town on a hunting trip, how did you get that information? There's how did you get in touch with exactly him? Right. How did you know he, that he's out in the middle because of the woods? Because that was one of the things he, he said in court, that he was not available. He was out hunting out in the, the and question? had limited communication 
So how did he get the communication? Yeah, how did he get that information yeah, on his whereabouts to the prosecutor? Since there's no cell service. Yeah. There's no cell service in the mountains, sir, judge. Yes. And and that's the thing, Mont. The court, this is not the this is not the judge saying, Oh, I was contacted by this witness because somebody somewhere somehow notified him that uh he was gonna be in trouble for, for not showing up with this court order. This isn't the judge saying I heard from him. This is not the court saying, Oh, the the uh the court clerk got a call from Mr. Moen and he said this is the reason he doesn't he he's not trying to dodge the court order. He wasn't available. This is not the court coming up but, with this reason he's not there. This is the prosecutor. The your, your adversary in the courtroom, the prosecutor gets this information. Oh, he wasn't available because of this judge. He wasn't available how did you get a what cell phone service provider do you but, have but, uh, that you got coverage in the middle of the fourth? But also, Cliff, you know, this also points out that Matthew Kirsch was involved with the FBI watching over him. And it, it, yeah. I mean, because, see, for me, for me to serve Moen and this other agent to be involved, that communication was already there. Let me, let me say this. Folks, get you a cup of coffee. Cappuccino, Starbucks, whatever it is that you might help you through this moment. This, we're just getting started. That's true. Matthew Kirsch is complicit. Absolutely. Absolutely. In working with the FBI on your Sunday afternoon, Mr. Kirsch. But, Mont, let me tell you why the subpoena for Agent Moen and Agent Hillberry, the reason they were being subpoenaed, these were subject matter experts. For uh, that worked as consultants with IRP Solutions, that were uh, not not Moen. Moen Moen was a different one, but the 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 FBI consultants that were in house working as subject matter experts for uh, helping to build the software, they had already given an affidavit to the uh, to the FBI. That basically, you know, basically they were undercover agents. They're like, yeah, we're in here. We're working on this project. We're uh, we giving you a report because you know basically we're 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 in house double agents. Their report says there is no illegal activity going on at IRP Solutions. We've seen the software; it's viable for what it claims to be viable for. And guess what? When you guys finish with this frivolous investigation, and obviously I'm I'm uh, I'm you know I'm ad living a little bit, but when you're finished with this investigation. I want to continue to work at IRP Solutions because I believe in what they're doing. They're trying to help law enforcement. How then do you come up with some trumped-up charges saying there's some mail fraud on fire? When you got the Federal Bureau of Investigation investigators in-house saying, man, y'all barking up the wrong tree. There's nothing going on here. Well, here's the problem, folks. This thing, this thing gets messier and messier. Not only is that a that is a huge mess, and the footprint of Matthew Kirsch, assistant USA in the prosecution of the RP five case. He's he's, a, he's all in it. Oh, you yeah. ever been stuck in mud and couldn't move? Welcome to Matthew Kirsch's world. He's all, he's all over it. I mean, we, he says, look, you have the local prosecution, the FBI agent, and the judge. Allows this circus in her court. You know why? 
she's part. She's part of the circus. Hang on, folks, to your seats. Take a break. Grab something as we continue the corruption. And I tell you what, we haven't even got started yet. This is AJC Radio. We'll be right back. Almost every day in the news, we hear stories about innocent people who are returning home after spending years in prison for crimes they did not commit. What you may not know is that their problems don't end once the limelight fades. For many wrongfully convicted individuals don't receive a penny for the injustice that they faced. Take the case of Floyd Bledsoe. He spent 16 years in the Kansas prison for a murder and rape he did not commit. And while Floyd was eventually exonerated, he lost everything his family, his farm, and decades worth of income. Unfortunately, Floyd's story is not unique. Kansas, along with 17 other states, doesn't have a law to compensate wrongfully convicted individuals for the injustices they've suffered. And in states with compensation laws, many of those are woefully inadequate. We owe it to all the men and women in all 50 states to provide fair compensation to those who've suffered these injustices. Join me in urging our lawmakers to do the right thing by the wrongfully convicted. Go to innocenceproject.org to find out how you can help. My nephew Joshua was 13 when he was killed in 2001 was living with me at the time. He asked me, can I go by Billy's house? I thought, well, you know, what's the harm in that? You know? My mistake was I assumed that there was a parent home. I assumed his father had his weapon properly secured. The kid had removed the magazine, so the kid was sure that the gun was safe. And he, what he didn't know was there was a bullet chamber. Joshua had this fear of weapons because he lost his mother to gun violence. I think this kid really pulled the trigger to show Joshua that, that it was not dangerous. The hardest thing I've ever had to do in my life is to tell my mom we have to bury her grandson. The pain was so great, we just wanted to do something positive. And we also wanted to try to prevent families from experiencing the same pain that this put my family through. We began working with the End Family Fire campaign. Family Fire is the accidental shooting of a family member with a weapon that was improperly secured, improperly stored. It's a difficult conversation for people. You don't want to ask or say anything to your neighbors because you don't want to offend them, but there are important things we should know. Where are they going when they play? (laughs) What is the environment of that home? We have to understand that children are inquisitive, they're curious. And there's not one corner of the house that they haven't gone through. If you're a gun owner, 
you have to make sure your weapon is inaccessible. It will save the family from the pain and the trauma that my family's put through. Because once that happens, it's forever. And if I could prevent one family from experiencing that, then his life will have some purpose. Over a million people are sitting in the prisons of America for nonviolent offenses. That's why I'm asking you to join the American Civil Liberties Union and help us in the fight to end mass incarceration. We spend over $80 billion a year incarcerating people. Alternatives to prison, like community service, drug treatment, and rehabilitation costs less and can turn lives around. It's time for fear justice. It's time for smart justice. And we need your help. How often does our justice system get it wrong, convicting innocent people of crimes they did not commit? A new project by the University of Michigan Law School and the Center for Wrongful Convictions at Northwestern University School of Law tries to answer that question. In the last 23 years, more than 2,000 people have been convicted of serious crimes and later exonerated, according to the National Registry of Exonerations. By far, the largest segment was almost 1,200 defendants falsely convicted because of large-scale patterns of police corruption, generally in drug and gun cases. Of the remaining 873 defendants exonerated, nearly half were wrongly convicted of murder, and of that group, 101 were sentenced to death. On average, it took more than 11 years for a conviction to be set aside. Why does the justice system get it wrong? In homicides, the biggest problem is perjury and false accusation, most often by supposed eyewitnesses. False convictions in adult rape cases are primarily based on mistakes by eyewitnesses, while false convictions in child sex abuse cases are often for fabricated crimes that never occurred. 2,000 exonerations may seem small in a nation with more than 2.3 million people behind bars, but there are far more false convictions than the report contains. Most false convictions are never formally challenged, and those convictions that are successfully overturned receive little or no attention from the media, according to the report's authors. For a kid whose mom or dad is in prison... Life is tough. Now, add a wrongful conviction to that. Life just got a little bit tougher. Trying to explain to friends why mom or dad is not at the school play or at the ball game is something that no kid should ever be faced with. Especially if mom or dad is innocent. Ladies and gentlemen, get involved today to stop the epidemic of wrongful convictions. By remembering a just cause with a monthly, annual, or one-time donation, you can help in the fight against wrongful convictions. Call a just cause today 
1-855-529-4252. We seek justice for the children. As they go to bed at night and mom's not there, dad's not in the other room to make them feel safe. Not because dad or mom did anything wrong, because justice could not be found. Join us for the children, for they truly are our future. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to AJC Radio tonight. As we have, I'll tell you right now, just got really just getting started on the cover-up tactics, the intimidating tactics, the fear tactics conducted by the FBI in the RP5 case, and the targeting, you heard that correctly, the targeting of a senior pastor, the tender age of 75, who has been an example in this community of touching lives and making a difference. Can someone give me an explanation how a church now becomes a target of an FBI cover-up and corruption? Because that's exactly what it is. This FBI has not only done this clip, I forget the date range you told me, the date range when this first started, when the FBI started way back. William, what was the date of this? When this first started with the FBI subpoena, uh, where they interfered with all of that. That was during the trial, right? Yeah, it was during the trial. It was yeah. during the trial. I'm trying to think of the date. Okay, I'm not. I'm not specific, but this has happened a while back. Right. And right. they're back again. Right. Right. Still the same. With same, no substance. Same thing. Yeah. Well, and and uh, Mon, you know, uh, going back to uh, this situation that happened with William trying to uh, subpoena this FBI agent and and um, Matthew Kirsch knowing about it and the judge. I mean, Judge Arguello did nothing to reprimand anybody that did not show up for a subpoena. Uh, we had other individuals, like from the Colorado Bureau of Investigation, the CBI. There was an individual there that uh, IRP Solutions had been working with, Colin Reese. He got subpoenaed. I mean, got served the subpoena. You have to show up on this day at this time. Totally ignored it. Said, well, I'm at work. I'm not coming down to the courthouse. When that was told to the judge, the judge was like, well, where, where is your witness? Our witness tells us, uh, Your Honor, that he's not coming. He's ignoring the court order. He is ignoring your subpoena. Well, you'll have to fill out the proper paperwork to get him down there. No, you're the proper paperwork. And, when and, I notify look. you that uh, – I don't mean to cut you off, but when I notify you that a witness does not show up to a court subpoena, your responsibility is say U.S. Marshals – Go down, and if you have to, drag him, put him here in the seat. He was notified. There's a responsibility, an order of the court for you to show up when you're told to show up. I'm blown away right now. Yeah. And, and the point is, too, we were getting chastised for exactly. our witnesses not being there. And that is why she forced you to get on the yeah. stand, and she didn't do her job. And the next point is, as they're discussing these witnesses, the prosecution and the judge are discussing them. They're they're our witnesses, and they're not even letting us in on the conversation. So we're sitting in there in court, 
as the as Matthew Kirsch and the judge are telling us where our witnesses are and why they are not there. That is witness tampering one on one. Look, you do not have to be a law expert to know that each side is not to talk to, to speak to any of the other ones with witnesses in the case. You can the prosecution cannot have words with defense witnesses. Nor can defense with defense cannot have words with the prosecution witnesses. Thus the perception that you may have said something to this witness that that veered the testimony. That's common sense. That is law and order M- NBC 101. You can't do it. So now we call out the FBI. This is not only co- let me tell you something. The FBI's corruption trickles to the prosecution and the government of the United States all the way to the bench of this judge. There are three tiers of action that could have been taken to stop it. The problem is the corruption trickled from the bench. That's the problem. The judge could have simply came in and said, look, this is outside of protocol. It's illegal. It is witness tampering. I won't allow it in my court. You cannot. How do you know the whereabouts of a defense witness, Mr. Kirsch? How do you know he's having a vacation hunting in the mountains, Mr. Kirsch, with no cell service? How do you know? How do you know? It's clear. It's a cover-up. It's a cover-up that the judge was a part of. Exactly. That's because why when, she couldn't come in the courtroom, Cliff, and say nothing. Right, because when this is brought to your attention, like Kendrick said, you, you're, you're talking about my witness and where they're at. The judge and the prosecutor is in on it. But you, as a, as a defense, would it be in your witness, have no idea where your witness is. And the importance of moment. As the FBI agent, this is in, in, on the line of this corruption. Moen was the single witness in the grand jury that supposedly got the Indicted. indictment for the IRP right. case. He's the single. There was no other witnesses, just him. This should have been the government's witness. Why wouldn't you want him to come in and retestify what he told the grand jury? Does that make sense? What? Because you're the one that said, "Well, I've." You know, prove that these guys were up to no good. But then, when it's time to come testify, you're ducking and dodging and running from the law, and you're supposed to be the guy upholding the law. You've already testified before a grand jury. Why can't you come here and testify? And why doesn't why doesn't the court want to hear from this FBI agent? That's right, well, because uh, his testimony was full of crap. Because everything that he testified to was a lie, was conjecture, it had nothing to do with anything. That's like saying, uh, do, did you see a cat in the alley? Yeah. Okay, well, you're getting an indictment from that. How does that even make sense? Well, here's the problem. This case was on shaky ground from day one. And here we are addressing these issues, as we were saying earlier. How is it that the FBI can continue this pattern of abuse? We talk about the chaos just in the 
witness tampering here. You see how big of a mess that is? We got Matthew Kirsch going into a courtroom saying, I'm aware of the defense witness's location. He's hunting in the mountains. The fact that you know that, you should have been thrown out the courtroom. Period. Is that right? That's true. How do you know this? If I was to be in that courtroom and say, yeah, uh, the, the prosecution's witness, he's down at the bar down at Johnny's having a drink. How do I know that? That's common sense. That's what you're dealing with here. Dennis, what did you come across you were sharing with us during break? What did you come across? Uh, Regarding FBI they, behavior, is that correct? Yeah, just a, a, a lot of different tact, tactics that they use. Uh, you know, in, in reference to uh, eavesdropping, uh, you know, utilizing the Patriot Act to actually uh, hack uh, cell phones and stuff like that. Uh, earlier in the show, they was talking about how uh, the FBI was, you know, trying to uh, use an informant to get inside uh, the pastor's house. You know, stuff like that that they use, and, and, and believe it or not, taxpayers pay for all that equipment uh, that they use to eavesdrop and and to do different things to American people. And it's not, and the majority of it is not legal, but they use the Patriot Act to, to, to say it is. Okay. I'll tell you right now. These tactics are not nothing that's new. None of these tactics are new with the FBI. The problem is you now have people coming out saying, what are you doing? That's where we're at. And now people begin to get, wait a minute. I do have rights. As I said earlier. How do you attack a church as parsons and a, and a 75-year-old pastor? Just give me some logic on that one. There is none. Can somebody help me with that? How do you target a church who is known for community outreach at, at its highest level in its community? I've been told that the uh, reputation of the outreach and the foundation by this religious institution, Congress and Church, is a pillar in its community. What gives the FBI the right? Now, this isn't a mega church. Everybody's talking about mega churches, money. What's going on? We're talking about a community church in this community. Far from mega. Why are you targeting that church? And and uh, another thing that you get with the FBI, and their uh, quote-unquote spokesperson, Mr. Dorshner, he was asked, on local television. Well, is this church under investigation? Oh, no. Church isn't under investigation. Why do you have 8,000 pages of financial records if you're not, if the church isn't under investigation? So the spokesman basically is a liar. He's lying. So There's you're telling me... The spokesman for the FBI. No, the church isn't under investigation. Absolutely not. The pastor? No. This, this case has nothing to do but, with, with Colorado Springs Fellowship. But we do have 8,000 uh, pages a financial record and over on the years. top of that, we're over international waters with a guy at Thomas, the Thomas Island in St. Thomas, St. Thomas, asking for a bug to be planted in, in the pastors in the parsonage house. But no, they're not. Invest- what are you doing having a conversation over international waters about a 75 year old pastor? We'd like you to put a bug somewhere. Are you insane? The reason the secrecy is there because it's not legitimate. This is, I wonder it makes you know this is how cases are built. 
through conjecture, through speculation, not from facts, not from actual facts of anything criminal. Let's just create a movie script and call this pastor, this church, well, we're going to take a look at this. Look at what? I want a court order. Mr. FBI in the Thomas St. Thomas Island, where's the court order? Give me the name of the judge who gave you authority to put a civilian in somebody's house and violate their privacy. Help me with that one. This is Agency Radio. We'll be right back. Do you have a big brother? Well, I have a big brother, and I'm pretty sure that you and I experience some of the same things with a big brother. Big brothers will always be big brothers, right? I'm sure you'll agree. Well, my brother gets up in the morning. He takes a shower, heads to work, and at some point during the day, he's going to exercise and get that workout, as we all do. And of course, depending on what's going on, he's going to sit down for two or three meals during the course of his day. And also, depending on what else is going on, he'll probably get caught up on current events and maybe take a few moments to turn a page in a book. How about your big brother? Some of the same stuff, right? Oh, did I mention that my big brother does all of that stuff, but he actually has to have permission a lot of times before he can do it. You see, my big brother was wrongfully convicted of a crime that he did not commit. That's right. That may sound shocking, huh? He's in prison. Wrongful convictions impacts families in ways you cannot begin to imagine. But I've decided that I'm going to do something about it. And I extend an invitation to you to come on board and join me in this fight. You see, I'm helping to be a voice for my big brother and others who have been wrongfully convicted. We'd like you to take a few moments today and call a just cause where we fight for justice. You can call us toll free at 1-855-529-4252. That's 1-855-529-4252. Join with us as we fight for justice and for all big brothers across the land. There's a lot of mud when it rains here, and it makes it really hard to find food. There are car bombs every day. My mom worries about me when I go out. Every time I hear the alarm bell go off from school, I think it's an air raid. Sometimes I have nightmares about it. A lot of houses in our neighborhood have been destroyed. I like to close my ears and sing songs whenever the bombs come close. My dad says we have to leave, which makes me scared. I'm worried our new neighbors won't like us. What if they don't understand our religion? Because we don't speak the language, it might be hard for them to make friends. But I know it's all going to be okay. It's all going to be worth it. I just want my family to be safe. But these are not my words. These are not my words. These are not my words.
the FBI, one of the most respected institutions of law, we find has a high level of corruption, high level of secrecy, which is out of line. A 75-year-old pastor, a pillar in her community, the church, parsonage, an attack on a Christian institution headed by the FBI. They would like you to believe they go to work and they work hard every day and they're here for the best interests of each American citizen. It sounds very good. Sounds like a complete proper ending to a Hollywood production. It's not true. We find now again the FBI that raided RP Solutions without cause. Ultimately ending in the conviction, wrongful conviction, may I add. Society professionals. The wrongful conviction of Luana Banks Clark, collateral damage of the FBI's tactics. Where does it stop? Let's hear from some folks that are just as shocked at what they saw with this situation. Let's hear it. Some people think that business is a game. And what we have learned is that business actually is war. My name is David Banks, and I'm serving an 11-year sentence at the Federal Correctional Complex Prison Camp in Florence, Colorado. I've lost everything. My business, my money, my family, my future, my church, and my freedom. When they wanted people to sign non-disclosure agreements and all that kind of stuff, sometimes they didn't want to do it. Strange to me. I think it's still strange. It just absolutely makes no sense. Is this really real? Is this happening? And, and then all of a sudden your whole life is ripped apart. Justice is not fair anymore. They say justice is supposed to be blind. It's not blind. It's not blind. They pick and choose who they want to convict and who they want to see. Ladies and gentlemen of America, what is going on when innocent men get locked away? Ladies and gentlemen, have you stopped to ask the question, where is justice? It's far away. They were floored that uh, they were even being raided. Um, uh, it became very clear that the court-appointed attorneys were not working for the guys. Um, and it seemed like in many cases that they were um, collaborating or working with the prosecution. We constantly hear in the news, every week you're going to hear about another person wrongfully convicted. There you have it. Tough questions in need for answers. Lady Justice has gone missing. Where is she? Is this happening in America? The American dream?
has turned into a nightmare, crying children left behind as a result of a corrupt system and corruption. We will seek and search for justice. We will ask the tough questions. We will demand answers as justice lays idle in the streets of America. We look for the answer. I just think it, that we have got to continue this fight against this injustice that's in our justice system that all the, that people don't end up wrongly convicted and and incarcerated unjustly, such as myself and others. It is so unfair for that woman to spend 17 years of her life is just the living end. And every time you look up, you, you're constantly hearing of this. People have got to open their eyes and deal with it. I mean, everybody wants to believe that we got this the best this and United States is the place to be. And this is, it's not true. We, it's not true because things have gotten out of hand and people are taking the law into their own hands, doing what they want to do. They're free to do to, to, to mistreat and, and, and degrade and hurt people and, it, and nothing's done about it. Something has to be done about it. And I think it's just got to be, and I'm glad that I can be a voice to say it's the, the time that I spent there unjustly that was so unfair and so wrong. It, it, it put a fire and a desire in me that I can't even describe. Because when I hear of someone else that, that has witnessed this in the years upon years of people's lives that are being destroyed and, and, and being taken from them, it's just it's just such a, a heart-wrenching, sad thing. And, and I think it's just got to be, People have got to stand up, they've got to fight, and, and they can't quit. And the just cause and all the other organizations out there that, that say, hey, we gotta, we got to push this, we got to fight, we got to stand up until something changes. That's the thing. You can't give up. you got to stay in the fight and fight it until, until, we, until we win. And I think that's what And there you have it. The voices of those that have suffered the injustice, LaWanna Banks-Clark, speaking to the outrageous conduct, her own fight for justice, her voice is heard clear. As we talk about the FBI, as we talk about those in position of power, the cry is, what will be done to stop it? The FBI's reputation is now becoming so marred in their motives. I want to mention our sister who has passed on. In that statement, she is crying for justice. Injustice starts in many cases by the most powerful people in those positions. In this case, the FBI continues their pattern of abuse. I believe the actions of the FBI in this case, along as I said a week ago, in regards to Federal Judge Christine Arguello, I believe because of their conduct, 
they are complicit in the death of Luana Banks Clark. You can live with that one. It is what it is. Because the stress, the pain, the suffering of injustice has collateral damage. Who are we as advocates if we remain silent? If those that have suffered, we talked last year, William, we had a discussion about what the FBI was doing then. In other cases where men and women, victims of this abuse of power, which we will be visiting on our next show, took their lives as a result of a push by an FBI organization was not about justice, about numbers. That's right. That's right. What what makes us go ahead? No, and you're so right, Mont, because when you look at this, this organization has this history of pushing people over, pushing the edge. Pushing, manufacturing cases, coming up with situations and circumstances that puts people in these binds that makes it illegal. They, they provoke people to these actions. They provoke and manufacture these cases. That's what they're doing. They did in the case of IRP, in the case of IRP-5, they manufactured the way to, to, so, to not allow the guys to put up a proper defense. They worked and coordinated with the judge. And the prosecutors, you can look at this. You're working the whole system. They behind the scenes were the puppet masters of this whole thing. They were pulling the strings. And to do this, I'm going to be clear, to do this to a church, a church. That's true. A pastor. A family. A family. This is beyond words. You did it to the pastor. Her, her daughter, her son, son-in-law, which is, in, in, in essence, daughter, because his son-in-law was married to the daughter. You've done this to this whole family. You're now talking about a decade and a half of this abuse, this, this constant, constant stuff that's been going on. And, and the key here will not stop. No. They're going to stop No, because what they try to do. It's acts of intimidation. That's true. When you look at, and I, you can say what you want, I don't really care. You look at the reputation of Pastor Banks in this community in 38 years. 38 years. You won't find a spot anywhere. And I'll tell you this. To make a target of this senior pastor who gave, basically gives her life For the sake of her ministry. Every day. How do you sit back in a conference room and say, go get her? You're a pariah. You're a pariah. But I can promise you, I'll put it on the record. Not going to find anything. Can't find something that's not there. And the fact that you would target. You know, look, people can say what they want. Religious freedom in this country is supposed to count for something. And there are many people that go back home to their parents, their grandparents. You know what they do? They get up every Sunday morning. They'll head to a church with grandma, with their aunt. That institution is at risk. The people that have built their lives to make a difference. That's true. How do they become targets? 
and you, and you don't have any other information to say, let's go after those who are really a problem to this nation. I can tell you right now, Colorado Springs Fellowship Church, Pastor Rose Banks, just ask the folks in the lives that have been touched here. Ask the veterans who are honored. Ask those who are going in harm's way, who are honored by this church, whose lives have been changed. Ask the senior citizens. Ask the fire department. Ask the police department. Ask the sheriff's department. You want something to talk about FBI? Take a page book. Take a page out of the book of Pastor Rose Banks at Colorado Springs Fellowship Church of what true outreach is. While you sit up and target this community, we will not remain silent. I promise you. And as soon as we get the name of these agents, you'll have your YouTube moment. Because we're going to put you all over the country and around the globe for your corruption. We will not remain silent. I can promise you that. Samson, your closing thoughts. Yeah, just as I, as I sit here and listen to, I mean, all the, the people that have been affected by just the, the secrecy and, and back alley deals and just utter corruption that uh, – this case is brought, you know, to our front doorstep, you know, you gotta, you gotta bring into question, you know, what, what is the FBI truly thinking? What is their leadership truly thinking? Who can we as citizens turn to, to hold these people accountable? But the fact of the matter is, is we're accountable. We have to stand up. We have to do exactly what we're doing now. We have to be proper advocates. We have to know the law. We have to educate ourselves and not back down. Well, we're not. Whenever these people try and come and intimidate us, it's not going to happen. And this is a this is a cry from every community. I can tell you, the FBI they have no morals here. It is what it is. Say, well, how do you say that? We lived it. We're living it again by this hogwash. You, you're that far from the United States, St. Thomas. Go home. You got nothing there, buddy. Go home. You have nothing better to do on St. Thomas Island than to attack a pastor in this church and his parsonage. Unbelievable, unbelievable. If the American people know you're spending taxpayer dollars for nonsense? Nonsense. We're going to keep speaking out against it. Stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen, on this program. As for the weeks to come, we will continue to unveil the actions and conduct of the FBI. This case, be very clear. FBI agents in St. Thomas have sought out to target Pastor Rose Banks, Colorado State Fellowship Church, and here it is. This is the most important part with absolutely nothing to support that type of harassment and claim. Till next time, America, good night. All we say to America is be true to what you said on paper. I lived in China or even Russia or any totalitarian country. Maybe I could understand.
some of these illegal injunctions. Maybe I could understand the denial of certain basic First Amendment privileges because they haven't committed themselves to that over there. But somewhere I read of the freedom of assembly. Somewhere I read of the freedom of speech. Somewhere I read of the freedom of press. Somewhere I read that the greatness of America is the right to protest far right. So, Destin, I say we aren't going to let any dogs or water hoses turn us around. We aren't going to let any injunction turn us around. Well, I don't know what will happen now. We've got some difficult days ahead. But it really doesn't matter with me now. Because I've been to the mountaintop.